Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Drum roll. Maybe even a fanfare. It's that time of the year. The Sunday Times has published its rich list, ranking the wealthiest people in the UK. Discover how our millionaires and billionaires have fared this year with the Sunday Times Rich List. See who's up and who's down. This year, people across the country have felt the cost of living crisis bite, with many having to choose between heating and eating. And yet, this is a country with 171 billionaires. And for many... The high life has carried on. Knightsbridge has always been a playground to the rich and famous. Now increasingly it's a millionaire's car showroom. I love gold, so I like to keep my car also gold. So everything I have is gold. My phone gold, everything, whatever I have. This is one of London's most expensive residential streets. The Bishop's Avenue, or Billionaire's Row to the locals. This property will cost you $25 million dollars. And it's a bargain at that figure. (laughs) For most of us, it's difficult to even imagine some of the sums on this list. So, here's your handy conversion guide to understanding billionaire money. If the average UK salary is just over £30,000 a year, let's compare that with someone making £300 a reasonable figure for many of the people on this list. That's 10,000 times more. To understand how that feels, it would mean a first-class flight to America at about £10,000 would be the equivalent of spending a pound to someone making 300 million. That quarter of a million pound supercar? 25 quid. A full-time butler to do your bidding day and night on an £80,000 salary? Well, if you're on 300 million... That would feel like 65p a month in relative terms. So, who are the people with this kind of money? What sort of businesses do they run? And how do family rows play out when there's so much wealth involved? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, The Sunday Times Rich List. Who is Britain's richest man?
My name is John Arledge. I co-write the Sunday Times Rich List with Robert Watts. John is a man who knows a thing or two about the super rich. He's been all over the world to interview them, from the billionaire Sir James Dyson to Apple's Johnny Ive, the designer of the iPhone. And more recently, he's been talking to the man at the top of this year's Sunday Times Rich List. I met GB Hinduja, who is a member of the uh, Hinduja family, who topped the list for the fifth time this year at 35 billion. Took a little while to organise, but we sat down in the brand new Raffles Hotel in central London. This chair is very uncomfortable. Oh, do you want to go somewhere else? Let's. Let's move. <laughs> it's a building that he owns that he spent 1.25 billion on. The Hinduja family bought the old war office on Whitehall for 350 million pounds a few years ago and has spent another 900 million converting it into Raffles Hotel, London, and also 85 fantastic homes to sell to fantastically rich people. So it was the perfect setting. Have we met before? No, which is a shame. It's a pleasure. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Um, do you want another cushion or are you... Huh? One more of these? Yeah, yeah. It's good. A lot of us won't have been or won't even go necessarily when it is open. Just describe what it's like when you walk in. It's like Versailles. You, you walk in off, off Whitehall and it's literally like you've walked into some amazing palace. It was the old war office. It's where Churchill served as Secretary of State for War before he became Prime Minister. Ian Fleming, the uh, creator of James Bond, worked there when he was in MI6. T. Lawrence of Arabia served there. So it's got this incredible rich history, and it's very, very, very grand. And describe walking in and meeting this great man in a, in a setting of his choosing. GP Hinduja and I met in the Haldane suite, which was used to be Churchill's office, and it's now a hotel suite. I think it's £35,000 a night or something like that. I'm sorry, uh, a, a night? Breakfast not included. So we met there, and he, he was sort of standing at the exact spot where Churchill used to have his desk. If you look out these gorgeous windows, you can see across Whitehall to horse guards, and you can watch the changing of the guards. And is Mr Hinduja, does he, does he look quite at home in these very plush yeah, he, uh, he wears Savile Row suits and Hermes ties, and I presume it's a Charvet shirt, I'm not sure. But he, he kind of looks more English than the average English gent walking up and down Whitehall. And who, who is he? Tell us a bit about him. What is he like as a person? He's thoughtful, considered. He leads, actually, for a very, very wealthy man, a, a relatively frugal life. I mean, there have been some pretty lavish weddings, as you might expect, over the years, one of which took place in, on an island in, in Rajasthan, a fantastic thing. Jennifer Lopez played it, and that's lovely. I was kind of annoyed I didn't get to go. But um, if you look at the actual lifestyle, it's relatively frugal. He gets up at five o'clock in the morning, listens to the BBC business report, then goes off to, to worship in a temple. And at seven o'clock, I'm in the temple. Where is the temple you go to? To Soho Square. Okay. Then goes for a walk uh, in St. James's Park. By yourself or...? I have a team of friends. <laughs> Just chatting. Whoever wants to meet, they come there. He's kind of living life on his own terms, but that's, that's the great thing about being really rich. You can, you can just do what you want to do. The fact that we have a, what is effectively a whole new village of billionaires in Westminster coming along does just remind you there are an awful lot of very rich people in this country. And luckily, the Sunday Times does a very good job of chronicling all of that. So just take us back um, a step. You, you've helped to compile this. Just what is the rich list? 
The Richards started out in 1989 as really an attempt to sort of chronicle wealth. There was a feeling that Britain had become more entrepreneurial and actually wealth was no longer something you were just slightly embarrassed about, actually something to be celebrated. I mean, you can call it the yuppie years if you like, but that was kind of the mood at the time. If you look back at who's up and who's down, it, it, it provides you quite an interesting sense of how Britain has changed over those years mm. since we've been doing it. And how do you go about working out how wealthy people are? Because, you know, a lot of very wealthy people don't want to declare their wealth and you're having to work out how much their businesses might be worth and how much their properties or their art and everything else. I mean, I remember the first time we did a podcast on the rich list, we were sort of told that when it first began, they called up Robert Maxwell and told him how much they thought he was worth. And he just laughed and said, yes, print that. And he was delighted to tell the world he was worth a whole lot more than he actually was. Yeah, I mean, it is not the easiest thing to do. People tend to fall into did two categories on this. There are some people who really, really want to be on the rich list and you've got to be a bit suspicious of those. <laughs> and there's some people that really, really don't want to be on the rich list. Uh, but no, there's an awful lot of material out there. There's an awful lot of company reports. There's an awful lot of valuations. You're just always reading, always listening, always looking, always seeing who's buying what, who's turning up at this auction, who's rumoured to have done this. So in some ways, I think many of them take the view that, look, it's far better to have the chat than not to have the chat. And you'd be surprised how many people actually do engage and that's that's terrifically useful the only problem is the people who say they're worth a lot more than they really are and a few years back we had a, an interesting situation with the, the candy brothers who were those two very shiny men who built shiny buildings for shiny people and they kept insisting that they were billionaires and we said great you know come in and, and prove it but they never did so we didn't put them on the list and i suppose with sort of offshore assets and things there's probably a whole lot of uh, a secret economy you can't really be be across we do our best with that. Uh, treasure islands are hard to crack. But no, we, we do. I mean, Robert, who does, <laughs> Robert Watts, who does all the hard work, he, he really, really is dogged and on this all year and does an absolutely outstanding job. And please keep this bit in the podcast because I want to keep working with him. <laughs> so, John, take us back to the man you met, the man who, again, seems to be topping the list and Britain's richest family the Hindujas. For a lot of people, they'll remember that name and not necessarily from, from the rich list. Just remind us when they've last popped up in, in the news. I suspect people, and I have a dim distant memory of Peter Mandelson's connection with them. Peter Mandelson had to resign from the Labour government. There was some suggestion that he had helped facilitate one of the Hindujas, uh, GP's brother SP, uh, in getting a British passport in return for a donation to the Millennium Dome that was being developed at the time. SP was not accused of any wrongdoing, so that's what people might remember. An official inquiry was ordered at the time, and it found that there was no evidence of any improper relationship between Peter Mandelson and the Hindujas. In a statement at the time, SP said, I wish to reiterate that I have never, at any time, linked our support for the faith zone of the Millennium Dome with a request to Mr Mandelson for information in 1998. And... Just how rich are they? Because they do seem to top this list on a very regular basis. Yeah, the Hindujas have been top of the list five times. They're at 35 billion this year. That really is a lot of money. Just to conceptualise that, if you were counting it in seconds, you know, a million seconds would be about 12 days, but a billion seconds is 32 years. And this family basically has 35 times that. 
That is a heck of a lot. What do they actually do to earn all of that money? How have they made the family business work? There used to be four brothers running the company, the four sons of the of the, uh, the founder of the business. There are now three. Sadly, SP died this week, aged 87. But essentially, the Hindujas run a very large conglomerate, and it spans really everything from IT to Formula One. It's an extraordinarily large trading company. And it all started about 100 years ago, just over 100 years ago, when their father began trading spices and dried fruit between what was then Bombay and Tehran. And it grew from there. My father was one of the first Indian in 1914 to be in Iran because he was involved in textile business. He was a strict vegetarian, non-alcoholic, non-smoking. Like all of you brothers, is that correct? Yes, yes. Including you, or were you tempted by that? No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) I think they started with dried fruits and spices. And then this sort of morphed into all sorts of things to do with power generation. Eventually, um, arms were involved in various things. Then, of course, they cleverly spotted that the uh, regime in, in Tehran wasn't going to last. And they left before the revolution in 1979 and moved to London. When, when the revolution happened, we were not clear where we should make our base. We went to Switzerland, we went to France, we went to Canada, we went to New York, Washington, Paris. And when we came here, we found it quite easy here, comfortable. They carried on building this trading conglomerate now, which spans all sorts of things. I mean, Formula One, they're involved in Bollywood movies. Bollywood movies was our sideline. This was to promote the tradition and the culture of India. I used to work from 7.30 in the morning till 7 p.m. From 7 p.m. I used to walk down to my home and then have my dinner and go to the studio. I used to do the editing. I start the first dubbing system. You know, the, the, the current Windsor framework to promote post-Brexit frictionless trade between Britain and Northern Ireland is actually supported by the Hindujas. They have an IT software company that basically is helping to speed the various different goods through the right customs channels as they travel between Britain and Northern Ireland. Basically, if you if you can trade it, they're interested in trading it, and they've done it, and they've built this, this vastly successful empire, largely from London. And John, you mentioned that this is a conglomerate um, shared between this family. And there are three brothers. There, there were four until this week, sadly, and the eldest has died. How exactly does the business break down between them, though? I mean, presumably none of them actually has complete control over this $35 billion. The four brothers, now three, used to control pretty much everything. There has been a dispute recently over how some of the assets are divided up, but essentially it is a family business run by the family. Now, sadly, after the death of SP, much of the business will be taken over by the surviving three brothers. There will, however, still be discussions, sometimes rather vigorous discussions involving lawyers around some of the assets that uh, hitherto belong to, to SP. But essentially, it will stay within the family and you'll see younger members of the family beginning to come to the fore. 
We'll get into some of those discussions in just a moment. And we'll look at what happens with family rows when there's 35 billion at stake. That's coming up. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Topping the Sunday Times rich list again this year are the Hindujas, Britain's richest family, whose £35 billion empire spans everything from Formula One to IT. But it hasn't all been plain sailing for the family, with plenty of ups and downs. Well, there's lots of ups because they've got 35 billion quid. So, yeah. Um, some of the downs are there has been a, a pretty intense family dispute is kind of like succession if you watch succession about how power money and control should filter down the generations now historically the four brothers father who set up the company had this idea which he kind of drummed into the brothers that really everything belongs to everyone and nothing belongs to anyone so any assets even if they might be held by one brother are actually owned by all four and this was kind of a family maxim if you like and the idea was that this just didn't affect the four brothers it was affected all the extended families and so in in the sense that whoever was running these things the senior brothers or the senior people doing it would really own everything and that's kind of come unstuck because sp gp's brother and his sp's two daughters challenged that they think that going forward as the brothers who currently want to get older it is not right that they should continue to run affairs and have control and ownership of everything to do with the company 
And so this has been played out in the High Court and it is still ongoing. It's been going on for about eight years. It's cost millions and millions of pounds in legal fees and we're still in dispute. And did you speak to any other members of the family? When you do these stories, if some person makes a comment about another and it's a serious comment, then you have to give that person a right of reply. So in this case, GP said a number of things about other family members and we approached those people that he mentioned Mm. to ask for comment. In fact, they didn't want to comment, I think in part because as far as they're concerned, the dispute is ongoing. What has the judge said in the case? Mr Justice Anthony Hayden, who's been hearing this case, certainly does appear to be frustrated because he's been very critical of the family. At one point, uh, he said to them, look, you really need to settle this. And the reason he said that was that SP at that point was being treated in hospital for dementia when, as far as the judge was concerned, he should have been really at home with 24-hour care because they could more than afford that. Mm. So he basically said to them, if you don't fix this and get SP back home to live in dignity for the last chapter of his life with his family, I will take steps to transfer him to an NHS nursing home. Now, nothing in principle wrong with that, of course, but of course, if you're used to living in a 25-bedroom, 400 million pound house, you don't really want to be living in an NHS care home. In fairness to the family, they did resolve some of their issues. And last year, after a sort of temporary truce, if you like, SP did return to the family. He left hospital and he returned to be cared for by the family at home. And there was never any suggestion that the family didn't want to care for SP at home, just that they couldn't, between them, agree on a plan for care that would allow that to happen. So, John, I mean, it does seem like there have been real problems with succession planning. And that seems to be an issue with a lot of very wealthy families. Just talk us through how that's manifested for the Hindujas. They have a tradition that the boys, the men, kind of run the businesses. And possibly this whole dispute over succession and money and power could have been avoided had SP had a son to whom his assets could pass rather than to his daughters. He did have a son. Unfortunately, his son died as a result of another family feud, this time over an arranged marriage. His son didn't want to follow his parents' wishes that he marry a high-caste Indian and married another woman in a register office in in London. They eloped together to Mauritius. Mm. And then, fearing that their families would come after them and kidnap them, they cooked up a suicide pack and they, they poured white spirit over each other and set themselves on fire. And he died and his wife survived horribly burned. They arguably would have saved themselves an awful lot of pain and an awful lot of money and legal fees if this previous feud hadn't ended up very tragically in, in, in the death of SP's son. And what do these, all of these arguments and these, you know, the, the very rigid traditions, what do they mean for the future of the Hinducha conglomerate? The conglomerate will be fine because it's got smart people running it. This is really a squabble about which bits of the family are entitled to various assets. It's just a question of like, how do you actually make the family dynamic work again? And John, stepping back, um, looking at the, the rich list in its entirety, what are the headlines this year? Is it true that the party is over for billionaires? 
There's the first fall in the number of billionaires this year since the financial crisis. So there's 171 billionaires in this year, and that's seven down from um, last year. They don't normally go down, the number of billionaires go up. The overall combined fortunes of the top 250 people has gone up by about 5%. It's about 750 billion quid this year. But that rise of 5% is well down on the kind of rises we'd see mm. in, in previous years. And you're going to ask me why, of course. Yes, and, and the, why? <laughs> and the, the answers are the same things, actually, oddly, that affect many other people. I mean, the war in Ukraine, rising inflation, um, the stock market jitters, and there's the banking crisis as well and collapsing crypto. And the best example, actually, is Richard Branson, whose wealth has shrunk by over 40%, down to, I say down to, it's kind of funny when you say down to 2.41 billion. But anyway, that's partly because of what happened after the pandemic, you remember a lot of the assets that were hit particularly dramatically were anything to do with travel. Well, he's got a fantastically successful airline and is a fantastic sort of cruise ship company. So Virgin Atlantic, he had to dip into his own pocket to save. That was very expensive. Also, he had a big bet on launching satellites into orbit. And that business has really tanked. But he's not alone. I mean, Stelios Hagianu from EasyJet, he's suffered greatly. Um, some people involved in t- elsewhere in tech, Dennis uh, Sverdlov, who is a Russian investor in the UK who was doing electric vehicles. His uh, company was worth about 10 billion at its stock market debut in 2020. And the shares are now valued at 24.3 million. So there's there's a big bunch of folks who've really, you know, suffered. Now, suffered, we should probably put in inverted commas, but they would definitely say this has been a challenging year. Yeah. I mean, those are huge losses. Um, Has anyone gained? Are there any winners this year? There will be winners. Um, it tends to be in areas where customers are looking for value. So basically, pile it high, sell it cheap. So if you look at some of the retailers, so a chap called Tom Morris, who runs a budget retailer called Home Bargains, that grew sales of uh, up to £3.4 billion wow. last year, which is pretty impressive. He's got 575 stores now, employs 30,000 people. Uh, he's actually, interestingly, probably the wealthiest Liverpudlian, certainly in modern history. There might Richard have been some. Richard the Beatles. Um, <laughs> well, actually, yeah, well, yes, it's probably richer than Paul, Paul McCartney's on the list, but you can, you can, we, can, we can compare the numbers. And the other one, of course, is Mike Ashley, who is actually the king of pilot high, sell it cheap, um, Sports Direct, Fraser's Group. They've gone up massively this year because people are looking for value. Ironically, though, that is, again, the cost of living crisis at work. These are people who do well in a cost of living crisis because they provide you value. can't beat inflation. <laughs> it's going to affect you whichever way you go, whether you're at the top or the bottom. And what about the Prime Minister and his wife? Are they on the list? They are one of the losers, actually, this year. Uh, Yeah, Rishi Sunak and his wife, Akshata Murthy, they came on to the list relatively recently. And that's largely through Akshata Murthy's family holding in Infosys, which is a giant Indian IT uh, company. Now, historically, they've done terribly well. This year, Infosys has not done that well because many of its clients were Western banks. Mm. And actually, the banking sector has done very, very badly. So actually, the Prime Minister and his wife's wealth is estimated at £201 million less than it was a year ago, uh, which actually works at an average daily loss of more than £500,000 since last year's richest. Nonetheless, I think they can afford still to heat their swimming pool in Richmond. And this is probably the first time we've had a prime minister who's wealthier than the monarch, wealthier than the king. What are the conclusions you can draw from looking at this rich list in terms of how wealth in this country has changed since the first rich list began in the 1980s? 
So if you go right back to the beginning, it was toffs, aristos, landowners, men, white, no women, and almost no one from an ethnic minority. And what's happened brilliantly over the years, thanks to all sorts of new freedoms and the big bang in the city, it's become much more diverse. There's many, many more women. And this is not people that have inherited wealth. It's people that have earned their own money. There's many, many, many more people from ethnic minorities. The prime minister is there of Indian heritage. And it's not just that the faces of the people on the list of changing. The way in which they've made their money has changed dramatically. So if you go back to what I was saying earlier about landowners and toffs, that was largely stuff that they'd inherited, that they were just kind of going around enjoying it and shooting birds or whatever it is. Now, almost overwhelming majority of people have made their money themselves. Sir Richard Branson is a good example. Another one, of course, was um, Sir James Dyson. You know, who knew that you could, you know, make so much money out of vacuums and hair straighteners, but <laughs> you can. So that's great. So, so it's an amazing shift. And I guess many people looking at it would say it speaks well of a competitive, meritocratic, diverse, creative country, way different from the one that we lived in when we started the list in 1989. Yeah, a really intriguing change. Um, and since this year, we think billionaires are slightly falling out of favour. Going back to where we began with your outing to the war office, or what was the war office, do we think old GP is going to struggle to fill those 85 apartments with billionaires? GP Hinduja and his old war office are going to be just fine. And in terms of the apartments, the residents move in sometime pretty soon. Next week. Yeah. Some um, of them have already entered. Oh, okay. No, no, their furniture have entered. Uh, not the individuals. <laughs> they physically They will have to bring furniture and then enter. Fair enough. <laughs> Unless Sanjay wants them to sleep down on the floor, <laughs> that's a different thing. <laughs> it's a very nice floor. Um, the only issue they've got is that actually because of the history and sensitivity of the building with the war and MI6 being there and all the rest of it, there may be people who come from certain countries right now who you kind of think, you know what, I don't really want you in this building. And ah. I think there have been some people, shall we say, who have come offering vastly over the odds to live in this building because it's so special. I mean, if you're a resident, you walk into what's called the spies entrance. And that's the entrance to the back that the MI6 officers used to walk in. It is still in the middle of the beating heart of government in this it, country. It is. Are we saying we don't want to fill it with Russian oligarchs necessarily? I, well, I will leave that up to other people <laughs> to decide. The GP is, is, is as, as ever, a bit of a sphinx on this one and not that keen to discuss it. Now, if you don't record, I'll tell you in confidence. <laughs> Does that prove that even now there are things that money can't buy? So, yes, there are some things that, that money can't buy. And maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> and having interviewed so many super rich people... Is it a lifestyle you think you'd quite like? Oh, I'd be, I'd be really... Or is it a poison chalice? No, no, not at all. No, no, no. I mean, it's amazing what you can get used to. I'm going to borrow the phrase of Peter Mandelson here. I think I, I would be intensely relaxed about joining the list one day, but also safe in the knowledge that this will never happen. <laughs> we'll wait and see. Have you seen what they pay on the Sunday time? <laughs> <laughs>
You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guest, John Arledge, Sunday Times contributor. You can find all of John's work at thetimes.co.uk with a subscription. The producers today were Olivia Case and Edward Drummond. The executive producer is Kate Ford, and sound design was by David Crackles. If you enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Have a lovely weekend. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.